0: Welcome to Ag Credit Set It. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from all parts of the agriculture industry to bring you insights and must-have information on all things from farming to finances and everything in between. Welcome back to Ag Credit Set It. I'm Libby Wickstead and I'm here with Matt Adams for today's episode.
1: Libby, this is uh, this is quite the room we got here for this episode. Um, you know, looking around this table, uh, kind of remem- rem- reminiscent of last night, Libby. We uh, we had an event to attend, and usually when they're city driving, I have Libby drive, and just for one, it's entertaining for me. You know, ke- keeps my adrenaline going for one. But you know, we've seen uh, some of these uh, some of these gentlemen's, uh, fine uh coworkers that uh, Libby uh, got a little a little mad at. Uh, you know, why are they out here watching me? So, always entertaining going places with Libby.
0: Yeah, it's probably good that we're not husband and wife, just because <laughs> <laughs> I think we keep it together a little bit while we're, we're driving and you're riding. Turn walking. here. Why didn't
1: you turn back there? <laughs> uh,
0: today, we are actually speaking with um, Ohio State Patrol and motor carrier officers um, to help us better understand how to operate farmer c- equipment and trucks on the roads. Um, Ag Credit has actually had a couple meetings with um, Ohio State Patrol Throughout our territory, and we thought it would be a great um, episode to have and carry this um, conversation on this platform. So today we have Sergeant Barry Thompson and Motor Care Enforcement Supervisor Anthony Lester with us. So Sergeant Thompson, would you um, would you share a little bit about yourself and what brought you to the High State Patrol? Uh,
2: yes, I've been with the patrol a little over 26 years. Uh, I've been in our commercial section a uh, combined about eight years. Uh, I, this is something I've wanted to do since I was little. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a state trooper. Uh, I've always liked being outside, working with other people. I've never really had a problem talking to, to folks, and I like to be a part of the, the solution. I like to help and, and do things for good, and this, this kind of encompasses all those things. Uh, and just a little side plug for those that are listening, we are hiring uh, all, all <laughs> different positions. Uh, so if anybody else has that drive or that will to, uh, to make a difference out here on the highways— um, you know we we are. It's just been a really rewarding and great job when you can go out there and uh, make a difference, make things safer, uh, and, and things like this where education comes in is just excellent. Where we can uh, sit down and inform people that maybe have some misconceptions or just grasping for knowledge. Uh, so these are just excellent opportunities, and we appreciate uh, you guys having us here.
0: Yes, you're welcome. And yes. what
2: about you, Anthony? How do I follow that up?
0: <laughs>
3: no, I I, uh, I came to the patrol about 26 years ago. May 17th, be 26 years. I came over from uh, pupil transportation, actually down in Jackson and Benton County. Okay. And the patrol was influential on me because when I took over the agency, we had some non-compliances, and the Highway Patrol put on some quarterly meetings and some trainings and different things. And that's when I first got exposed to them, and I was very impressed. And I kind of wanted to join their team. took me a couple years, but I finally got through the door and got into motor carrier work. So that's
1: kind of what put me here today. Well, excellent. Well, thank you guys for being part of this today. And I know, um, you know, you guys' long tenure career, you've probably seen a ton of changes. Um, You know, probably in just on the motor carrier side, but probably just, um, you know, driving and, you know, the the skills... Uh, Kind of, t- kind of go in that a little bit, I guess. I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, when you look at uh, just in general over, say, the last 10 years, has things changed a lot that you guys have seen? Yeah.
2: Yeah, the,
1: the biggest thing
3: with the trucking industry <clears throat> is technology. Electronics are everywhere. Uh, the braking systems have improved on them. Uh, the automatic transmissions has came down the pike. Um, it's just uh, the old school driving. Those abilities are mm-hmm. still very important. But you got a lot more technology. You got a lot more liability out there. Um, we've got camera systems on the trucks now. We didn't have those before. Oh, gotcha. We've, we've got radar systems out there on the trucks now, where we'll actually apply the brakes for the driver. Uh, all that really? stuff was unheard of before. You know, right? Um, it just uh, and it's still moving. You know, and there's a, a big shift for efficiency, obviously, mm-hmm. with fuel prices and things like that. So. Yeah, it, it doesn't look the same as what it did 10 years ago, <laughs> let alone 26 years ago. You, you know, I
1: mean? it, it's something interesting. I, I see on the, at least in the trucks, I just watching stuff on the internet, you know, the electric trucks, for one, that are kind of out there now. I don't really think they're in our area yet, but, you know, even some of the driverless um, stuff, yeah, you know, so it's, 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 yeah. it's, I'm sure that's just a, just a massive stuff you guys are just trying to keep up with yeah it is it's a lot to keep up with uh, some of the autonomous
3: videos or uh drivers and the uh, uh the systems are coming up with now they actually are experimenting with one where the driver will log in start the truck put it on a set route and then go to the bunk and he's done there's nobody behind the wheel of that truck Oh wow and maybe i'm old school but that's a little scary to me <laughs> you know what i mean we might be there someday but i don't think we're there yet right you know
1: what i'm saying you know and uh and uh, Sergeant Thompson, you know, just probably from what you've seen, just normal driving habits, you, th- for one, there's one thing I see anymore, and it's, you know, when I'm driving between all of our branches, Libby, and coming to visit uh, everyone, everybody, and I know it's not allowed, everybody you pass has a cell phone up to their ear or they're talking. I mean, I, I just think that that distraction probably is just something you guys really try and is – that, is that one of the big concerns out there is distracted driving?
2: Yeah, I mean, distracted driving is a a big thing now. I mean, the the cars and the trucks are safer now than they've ever been, but we have so many distractions, more distractions. Even the car, I mean, most cars, your dashboard has that big TV screen in it now. Mm-hmm. You know, right. the, the cell phones. We do have you know Bluetooth and and wireless capabilities, but you know, even talking on a phone wirelessly over Bluetooth is just as distracting as holding that phone up to your ear. Uh, so distracted driving is, is, a huge issue. I mean, we've made leaps and bounds, uh, of making vehicles safer, the highways safer, uh, and all these things, but that distracted driving is a personal choice we have to make each time we get in that vehicle, uh, that we, we stay as, as least distracted as possible. And, you know, as traffic gets heavier and obviously sitting driving can be stressful <laughs> at times, apparently that we found. Out <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and keeping that stress level down and focus on, on that driving is, is key.
1: Well, and before we get too far into this, guys, there's one thing. I just want to thank you guys for your service and what you do for us out there. You know, when you see the flashing lights in your rearview mirror, it's because they're there to correct a problem. It's because we did something wrong or they're wanting to prevent something. They're not there just to be an annoyance to you. They're there to make you safe. And I think that's one thing that Probably gets overlooked some, but I just want to thank you guys very much for everything you do for us. Yeah, I
3: appreciate it. At the end of the day, we just want everybody to go home safe.
1: Yes, That's the main thing right mm-hmm. there. Well, Libby, let's kind of jump into some of the questions here. You know, one of the big topics we went we got planting season coming up, harvest season. Really, I guess I talk about seasons, but when you look at our commercial farmers now, it's a it's it's year round. We're, mm-hmm. there's something always going, whether it's seed delivery, moving equipment, uh, livestock guys. We're always out on the road doing stuff, so let's kind of dive into it.
0: Yeah, so why don't we just start with the basics here. You know, what are farmers required to have on their equipment while driving down the road?
2: Okay, so on your your tractors and your combines and your equipment like that that aren't registered, um, they're a slow-moving vehicle, so you are required that slow-moving vehicle emblem on the rear of that tractor uh, to let everybody know that you're not going very fast and you can't go very fast. Uh, Now, with the technology we talked about earlier, there are tractors and equipment that can can exceed that 25 miles an hour. Um, On those, you have to have the SMV sign on the back. Plus, you have to have that identification symbol uh, from the manufacturer that tells people behind you what that vehicle is capable of traveling. So if that's 35 miles an hour, if that's 40 miles an hour, you have to have that SMV and that posted on the rear of that tractor or that piece of equipment. And then you can travel at that speed, uh, but you have to have both of those on there. Um, and some people have very large equipment now. You have mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> dual wheeled vehicles and track vehicles, and they're they're so much wider than.
1: than yeah, we have some combines out there now and sprayers. <clears throat> I mean, some of these combines with our floater tires, we're taking up. Two thirds of both lanes mm-hmm. going down with some of this
2: stuff. Yep. Yeah, they've gotten big. So these multi-wheeled vehicles, these very wide vehicles, you have to make sure that you have lights to the far extremities, left and right. Okay. Um, so you'll see, and, and most of the people listening have seen them. They got those large bars that go across, and you know the amber lights that are flashing. Uh, so those are required when you have those dual wheels on there, or those those wide vehicles as well. You know, if you're driving at night, just like a car, you have to have at least one headlight to the front. And then you have to have at least uh, two taillights to the rear or one taillight and two red reflectors uh, just for visibility. If if you're in one of those wide multi-wheeled vehicles, you have to have your lights flashing at all times as well because that notifies the public of something large and and big up ahead.
1: And, And one thing I just want to point out too, and I'm a farmer, Libby's a farmer. One thing, guys, when you pull out on the road and it's night, make sure your lights aren't covered in dust and dirt. Mm-hmm. Even if they're flashing, if they're covered <laughs> with a big chunk of mud, they're not doing anybody any good. Yeah,
2: yeah, they can't be obscured, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I guess going along um, with guys having their equipment out on the road, could you speak a little bit to, you know, they're notifying the public that they're there. Mm-hmm. What about the public? How are they, t- you know, what is the best way to safely pass this farmer equipment? Because we all see too many times where – people aren't safely at least i see i witness it every spring and fall people are not safely passing this equipment because it's so large mm-hmm. you know you're on a little county road or you know or if better yet yeah, you're on a state route which you have a little bit more room mm-hmm.
2: yeah so that that's the difficult part you know for the farmer himself and the motor and public around them you know, obviously, you're allowed to have that big piece of equipment that might be 18 foot wide on a road that's you know not designed for that. So they have that aspect of you're allowed to be there, but you you can't cause damage just because you're allowed to be there. So you know, guardrails, oncoming traffic signs, you know, and overhead structures because some of these combines and tractors are <laughs> over 13.6, mm-hmm. which is right. a legal height. So it doesn't give them, you know, carte blanche, obviously, just to do their thing. But when we're talking about the motoring public, so when you're passing someone, you have to signal that you're going to pass, plus give an audible sign, letting them know that you're going to be passed, and then that audible or that visual sign again when you overtake them. But there's some areas that aren't safe. You have county roads that are only 18 foot wide. And this combine or this sprayer takes up the entire road. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, you're just going to have to patiently wait behind that vehicle until they get to their field or they have a wide spot they can pull off to allow traffic to go past. Uh, You can be passed over a double yellow line uh, because you're going under half the speed limit of that. Normally there are 55 zones, but it has to be a place where there's no intersections, there's no curves, no hill crests, and you have a clear line of sight. You can clearly see I can overtake this vehicle without impeding on t- oncoming traffic. Uh, so it, on both sides of the hand, it's it's a it's a safety factor out there. You know, a lot of your farmers probably live in urban areas now. Mm-hmm. You know, when they started the farm, there was nobody around, and then right. people have moved in, uh, which it makes it even more tricky for them, and they have to be even more cautious. You know, as they're traversing the roads.
1: You know, one thing you said is is patience. Patience is a virtue, people. <laughs> I as a farmer. I don't want to be on that road any longer than I have to, you know, I want to get off so you can get past me. I want to get to the next field working. So, you know, I always say, you know, uh, was it the, uh, the ODOT, uh, so it was always give them a break. Mm -hmm. Hey, give the farmers a break. We don't don't want to be on that road anymore, (laughs) holding you guys up than we, than we have to be. But so, uh, Anthony, I kind of want to dive into a little bit here. So, you know, we're talking about the big equipment then we get into where you kind of come in most of our operations now have either uh, semis or, you know, large tandem trucks. Right. You know, as farmers, I'll, I'll put this way: I'm a farmer. I don't have to pay the same attention to them rules that, the, you know, them commercial carriers do, right? <laughs> right? I'm farm, I'm farm exempt, right? <laughs>
2: that,
3: well, you do have quite a few exemptions, but, you know, I don't know if I'd give that far. <laughs> Basically, in a nutshell, Ohio's farm exemption is a pretty strong exemption. It's a good exemption. Use it. Stay within the guidelines. Um, the basics of it is 150 air miles from the farm, you're exempt. Okay, you're going to be exempt from FMCSA's guidelines, PUCO's guidelines. Mm-hmm. However, you're not exempt from a higher code, and that's where this gentleman sitting next to me comes in. Um, the important thing to remember with the CDL guidelines is not to exceed that 150 air miles. The 150, that's... Or, yes, when you exceed that 150 air miles at that point, all the regulations will apply to you. Okay. You see what I mean? Yep. Then at that point, you basically become a private commercial carrier. You see, mm-hmm. and that's where some people get some confusion at with things, is okay. when they step outside the exemption. Okay. Uh, you, you really, from a farming standpoint, the advantage that farming has is you know the area you're in, you know the commodities you haul, and the distances you've got to go. All you got to do is do a little homework first. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to change your operations in any way, research it. You know? Gotcha. If you're going out of the norm, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. if somebody's got a good deal on some seed or something over in Indiana, make sure and make a phone
1: call and, right. and, and see what you've got to do to go over there legally. And I guess that brings up on my next uh, question. So we're, uh, where I uh, work out of is in Paulding County, and we are right on the Ohio-Indiana line. So that 150 air miles, it, it, that, that will travel from my base in Paulding even into Indiana or yeah. possibly even Michigan. Yeah. As well, so it, it stays within that range. Not necessarily state by state, but as soon as I cross that 150, I'm, I'm a, I'm a right. commercial carrier at right. that point.
3: Right, And then, and then something else I'll throw out there: when you cross the state line, you will lose a few things in your exemption. Okay, one of them is you do have to have your company name on the truck. You okay, have, to have a DOT number. A lot of people don't realize that. The other thing is um, there's a uh, permit, if you will, that's called a unified carrier registration. You would be required to carry that Um, and also when you cross into indiana indiana's enforcement personnel can run an fmcsa inspection on your vehicle so you want to make sure and have good tires good lights Mm -hmm. things like that Uh, you know
1: and that's one thing i look at the inspections um that is something that um, is that required as a farmer to have that done on our rigs or is it just more of a suggestion
3: The 396 yearly inspection is not required on the farm trucks. That's one thing that even crossing a state line, you're not going to be required to do. Okay. Okay. Same way with a medical card. You're not going to be required that either. Okay. It's just your vehicle, the company name, DOT number, and unified carrier registration fee. Gotcha. If you cross that state line.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: But if you do go and change your, I guess, change what you're doing in your operation a little bit, does that change that inspection?
3: Uh, The yearly inspection? Yes. No. Actually, if it's a covered farm vehicle, that inspection is never going to be required.
1: Never going to be required. So another question I get with a lot of guys, you know, um, we're always as, uh, you know, there's always the weight limit. And when we're hauling grain, especially, and probably even to a point now with some of our bigger setups with our liquid fertilizer tanks and some of the large quantities we're hauling, you know, we looked at 80,000 and I know, can you kind of dive in just briefly, kind of refresh everybody on, you know, where, when we're hauling off farm, basically, I think I think they kind of consider it like out of the field or off the base operations. I know there's a little bit of a leeway there, just, you know, kind of a, a little bit, almost like a grace area for us when we're hauling out of field, since we're not, we don't have a scale right there to, you know, know exactly where we're going to be at.
3: Yeah, you, you're going to be allowed um, 7.5% okay year-round except for february and march except for february out of, and march okay yeah, when you come out of the field so you can have a maximum weight of eighty thousand pounds plus a seven and a half percent one thing i will throw out there along those lines is that we have a uh, permit system in ohio that's actually a wonderful permit system so let's say you've got a thousand acres somewhere a you know, mm-hmm. big piece of ground you got to work you can actually get in touch with odot and get an account started with them give them your information and get, get a permit to run even heavier than that if you'd like to. Okay. Yeah, but those permits are very restrictive. You know, when mm-hmm. you get the permit and it's issued to you, you have to follow the guidelines behind that permit. If you step outside the guidelines on that permit, then they're going to take your weight back to 80,000 pounds.
1: Okay. Yeah. Gotcha.
3: And it's just a, it's another tool in the toolbox to use.
2: And, Matt, before you go on just a little bit more on the weight, that, that is one misconception that the 80,000 pounds isn't for every vehicle. Uh, so, Ohio's weight laws all all built on length. Okay. okay. So,
1: That's, that was going to be my next thing. Yeah. I, I know we look at there's one ton pickups out there pulling up a 30, 35 foot gooseneck trailer loaded down. <laughs> well, you're about the same length as what we would be on one of our rigs at that point. Yeah.
2: So. And you have you a few different. Things there, you obviously have what your tires are rated at, you know, play a big role in that. But just Ohio's weight law, uh, and I'm going to leave you guys with this book so you can share this, and anybody can get this book off of our website um, that has all the weight laws in it. Okay. Uh, but like I said, if you're not on an interstate highway system, um, the, the weight you'd be allowed on a set of tandem axles, two axles together, would be 35,000. A single axle would be 20,000. Uh, the overall gross depends on how long you are. Uh, so you would have to measure from the center of your steer axle to the center of your trailer axle or the last axle on your truck, and then you use this, and it'll show you exactly what your gross weight's allowed to be. Uh, now, if you go on the interstate system, you go on 71, 77, any of these, 75, mm-hmm. you lose that seven and a half percent. Okay, there is no uh, excess on interstate systems. Okay, because uh, there's two different codes. You're using the interstate bridge formula and versus the Ohio's law. All right, so just remember, if you're on the interstates hauling, as soon as you hit that interstate, you lose it. Um, but like I said, and, uh, but we do give that 7.5% from the field, like you said, cause mm-hmm. you can't weigh it. You don't know exactly if you're getting things centered right, um, and that that is available.
1: Now, I guess one, one thing I was just thinking, I guess I want your guys' opinion on this. And so we look at some of these large uh, hopper wagons um, that's out there, you know, five, 600-bushel mm-hmm. wagons. And we get, uh, you know, pulling with a big tractor, or pulling, you know, to two of these wagons, you know, we got a thousand plus bushel on wagons being pulled by a tractor. Do we need to kind of look at the weight and stuff when we're when we're with that, even though it's, you know, be, uh, two wagons pulled by a tractor?
2: You'd be out of the same rules, same, same okay. rules, yep. and
1: that's why I always kind of kind of wondered that because you always think, well, it's, it's hopper wagons, you know, it's different. I'll have a semi, you know, kind of thing. But <laughs> yep. yeah, same
2: thing. It's like I said, it would all be just dis- depending on the distance between those axles and how long the vehicle is, what weight you would get for an axle weight or a gross overload. Okay perfect.
0: Yeah, that's like the speed that we're at at, at our farm. So. <laughs> that's good. That's
2: good yeah. Well,
3: and I'll tell you if I could throw something in there real quick, something always to remember when you're dealing with weights is do your homework on that because anytime you take a vehicle out on the road, if you're exceeding the weights allowed on that vehicle, there's liabilities behind that if you do have an accident. You know what I'm saying? And we yeah. always have got to be aware of civil liabilities and things. You know, the, the vehicles are engineered basically to handle x amount of weight. We right. want to stay within
1: those guidelines if we can. And I think that's one thing we want to just go back to, that what we're talking about today, it's not nonsense. It's, it's the whole point is to make everybody safe. If we can follow the rules and, you know, use stuff to what they're designed for, exactly. yep. you know, it's, you, you know, shame on you if, if you're going to push the limits of something because it wasn't designed for. And then you're, you're not going to put yourself at risk, but, uh, you know, the person around you. So, and I kind of look at that too, especially on the farm side, family operations. I think a little about, you know, my three young kids, Mm -hmm. I would never want to do something that jeopardizes their safety or the employees on our farm safety too, because I'm not following the rules just to say, well, if I push this, well, that's, that's two less loads. I got to haul out of the field. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's not worth it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know we're always in a push in planting season and harvesting season, but it, it comes down to, is it is it really worth it? Um, and speaking about liability, how much insurance is really required for, I know f- farmers typically have a ton of insurance just mm-hmm. because of what we do, but is there any insurance requirements with the farm equipment or having having the trucks on the road? The,
3: the farm exemption is going to expand into your insurance requirements for the state uh, for lack of better terms, the farms are not going to be subject to any of the uh, insurance requirements in Part 387 of FMCSA's guidelines. Okay. And then those guidelines were actually adopted by the Public Utilities Commission. Okay. You're, you're not subject to those either because you're within that, that exemption. Now, if you exceed that exemption like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. then you would be subject to Part 387 if you uh, go in Interstate Commerce, for example, or if you're hauling for hire, then you would be in the Public Utilities Commission's
1: guidelines under the admin code. And that, and that hauling for hire, Libby and I were kind of discussing that before our podcast. So kind of a scenario here. So I am a farmer. I have my own truck. I'm hauling for myself, and I'm staying within my 150. I have a neighbor that says, hey, I'm behind Matt. Can you start hauling for me to elevate? I know you're getting caught up. Right. Am I a for hire carrier at that point? Not in my opinion. Okay. Because when you work for that other farmer, you are under his control. Under
3: his control, if you okay. if you have somebody working for you and you're a farmer to and from the farm with ag operations, they share your exemption. Okay, okay,
1: that's that is some great information. I know that's something that's been brought up. A lot of guys, now if I go grab a weekend load to haul a flatbed of steel, then I'm, I'm <laughs> a commercial not, carrier yeah, yeah, at that point. You got a problem? Gotcha. Perfect. <laughs> Well, hey, guys, it's been great information. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back here. Um, some more of Ag Credit. said it.
3: As a farmer owned cooperative, we at Ag Credit know that a little extra capital can make a big difference in your operation, paying for new equipment, meeting unexpected expenses and covering payroll. That's why we're returning $21 million to our borrower owners through our patronage program. What other lender does that? At Ag Credit, we're proud to share our profits with our members. Visit AgCredit.net to learn more about how it pays to do business with us.
1: Hey guys, and we're back here uh, with Ag Credit set. So you know we've covered some pretty good topics here, and another one I was thinking about too, Libby. You know, and I know you guys. I know I'd say. of farmers have one, you know, we talk about our side-by-sides, our utility vehicles. Um, can you guys kind of go into, what am I, what can I do for one, (laughs) I guess, what can I do with that side-by-side, you know, I... I'm under the mentality of, hey, I'll toss an S.M.V. on the back. It's a farm vehicle at that point. I can do what I want, right?
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there are some uh, limited exemptions to those. You know, they are an off-road vehicle. You know, they're not titled as an on-road vehicle. You can't license them to drive up and down the road like you can your automobile. Uh, there are some limited uh, exemptions that they're allowed in a municipality or an area that has a speed limit of 35 miles an hour or less. That local jurisdiction can do an inspection on that vehicle if they allow them, and then you could get an actual license plate. But at that point, they can only be operated on those streets that are 35 mile an hour or less in that municipality that allows them. Now, when we go to the farmer side of it, it can be used as a farm tool, just like a tractor, just like a skid loader, uh, but they're not used for normal transportation. Uh, They would have to be used going from field to field, uh, from a short distance, uh, servicing that farm. Okay. Uh, So you couldn't just hop in it and go down to the local store and get your milk, (laughs) you know, and come on back.
1: Unless you have a shovel in the back, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or or,
2: or go take your wife out to dinner or something. It would just be a a farm machinery, uh, and they would fall into that same practice. If you're doing farm-related work, going from field to field, they would be allowed, but routinely they, they are not legal on the highway.
1: Okay. Well, Libby, next time your husband takes you out for dinner, no taking the gator anymore. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we live too close to our village. <laughs> village you know? <laughs> okay, so can we talk a little bit about um, when do, when are guys required to have um, U.S. DOT numbers or P-U-C-O?
3: Yeah, yeah, I can chime in on that if okay. you do care. The DOT number is basically a census number, okay? It's not going to be required unless you cross a state line. That's, that's okay. the main thing to remember there. And when you, you know, if you, if you do need it and you do it, make sure and get the unified carrier registration to go with it, okay? It's not valid without that. Mm-hmm. It's a good way of looking at it. The Public Utilities Commission and their numbering system, that is only for, for hire carriers intra-state, staying inside the state, so under going back to our previous example Mm -hmm. you're working with other farmers okay as long as you're not doing anything outside that realm you're never going to have to register and get a puco number Mm -hmm. okay um that that system it's set up to basically to register the company with the state uh, show their insurance requirements to protect the commodities they haul that's what it's there for right well the farming is completely outside that realm okay? okay the only trouble you'll get into is if you've got the equipment like a dump truck or something Mm -hmm. and somebody wants to hire you to haul some gravel for a driveway or something like that and you're acting outside that exemption, that's the thing to remember. Stay within your wheelhouse. Within your exemption, you won't have any problems.
0: I just see that there's just so many crossovers of just like, hey, can you do this for me? Mm -hmm. And it just seems like that's that's where guys don't even realize that they're not yeah. within the requirements. Right. And, and I just see how I just, I understand why, you know, we're so confused on what we're, exactly. what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. And,
3: and a lot of guys and gals fall into it just trying to help a neighbor out or something. Yep. And, and they're not really doing anything nefarious. Mm-hmm. They, they have no ill intent whatsoever but they happen to get out and something happens, they get stopped, or God forbid there's a crash. If you're outside that exemption, then all rules would apply to you like a normal commercial carrier.
1: Okay. You know, one, one thing I, I was kind of thinking too, uh, I see a lot of neighbors have them and just a lot of farmers, in general, Uh general puts not for hire on the side of their mm-hmm. trucks. Yeah. Is that required?
3: No, it's not required. Okay. It's not. But here's the thing I will tell you, okay, uh, as enforcement personnel, when we're out on the road, If we see a truck that doesn't have a name on it, and we can't tell that it's a farm move, a lot of times we'll pull you over and chat with you a little bit to figure out exactly what you're doing. If you put not for hire on the side of the truck or farm use, it does relay that information to us before we ever stop the vehicle, that that's what you're doing. Okay. Okay, Because... You know, like the road outside the window right here. If you've got fifty trucks that goes by and one guy or gal doesn't have a name on the truck, well, that's a requirement in the state of Ohio. So we're going to stop you and take a look at it and see what's taking place.
0: So I think the the name of the game here is just identify yourself and what you're doing. Yeah. and then and then you have a less chance of um, you know having any issues.
3: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's easy to look at a vehicle and tell what's been done with it, and then other times not so. I mean, if you got a three axle Mack dump truck. How many of those are out there hauling for hire? Mm-hmm. Well, if you got 10 of them going out of a rock pit and one don't have a name on it, then we, we stop right. the truck, hey, yeah. you know who are you and what you're doing? Well, in that circumstance, if you're picking that rock up, taking it back to the farm, well, obviously you're going to be covered under that exemption. But if you're doing something outside that, then there's where we have the problem.
1: You know, I was just thinking, I know we have an upcoming podcast episode they're going to be recording about, you know, branding your farm. That kind of ties right into the name you can put on the side of your truck, too. So a little, the little, little topic yeah. there, uh, Ms. Producer, yeah. <laughs> keeping your notes over there yeah. while you're running the board. So. Yeah.
3: yeah, but just remember, you're not required to as a farm to put it on there. But I would encourage you to put the not for hire, or mm-hmm. the farm use is probably my favorite because that tells everybody right off the bat, hey, hey this that's is what a farm truck, yep. this is what we're doing.
1: So you know we kind we we touched uh, some on the uh, on the uh, overweight and what would be considered overweight when we get uh, you know above our our percentage and especially if we get over 150 miles. Uh, we're going to put a link here uh, on our show notes, guys, too, on the uh, on the booklet from uh, the State Patrol and the Ohio Motor Carriers. They have some great charts in there. We're looking at our break that really explain um, very. Uh, and for me too, you know, I'm an count officer, you know, I they 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 hire me because you know, you know, you know, like I, you know, got my pretty face here, you know, the you know the maker here. But you know, it's a very very easy chart to follow. I mean, you it's a lot of great information. So we're going to put a link on that here for you guys. But you know, I we touched a little bit on the oversized permits and you know our farm exempt. You know. When when am I required to have an oversized permit? When when does when does that get to, to the stage where you know I need to have a permit and start getting getting into the nitty gritty of that stuff?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you put that piece of equipment up on the trailer and it's wider than eight six or it's taller than thirteen uh, six, that's when the permits come in. While the wheels or that tractor or combine or sprayer are on the ground. You're exempt from from permits. Gotcha. As soon as you put that on a trailer, because we do know some farmers have fields way apart from each other. And it's a you, know, you drive that tractor 50 miles. You're burning a lot of fuel. <laughs> and right. Time. Yes. Um, so yeah, once you put that on that trailer, you then have to get a permit. Uh, and like Anthony was talking earlier, the permit section is very easy to work with. Uh, you can get blanket permits. A lot of construction companies do that. They're going to be hauling the same dozer, the same pan over and over again. So if you know you're going to be hauling that combine or that sprayer to these certain places, you can get a blanket permit. Some of them are a single trip. Some of them are a 90 days. We, You could buy one and it's good for 90 days. Maybe you can buy one that's good for a whole year. Uh, but then at that point, you're requiring the permit. you got to have your flags. Mm-hmm. you got to have your oversized load signs front and back. Uh, and you fall into all those. Okay. So it's it's an easy process to get, uh, but it's one some people don't get, and that can cause problems down the road.
1: It's it it's kind of one of those. I, I think you know, like you said, it's an easy it's an easy process. It's it's I'm sure it's it's designed to be easy mm-hmm. to to get that. You know, don't take that. Well, I'm I'm only going 20 miles down the road. Nobody's nobody's going to see me. You
3: well, know? well, and the thing about it now with technology, if you got a computer or a smartphone. You can set up those permits, get them electronically sent right to you, stand right in the middle of the field. Oh, gotcha. And it's not like 30 years ago where somebody had to drive in, show proof of insurance and all this stuff. It can mm-hmm. all be done remotely. You know? The only thing to remember with those permits is that once you have one, you stay within the confines of that permit. Of that permit, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, absolutely. And the permit will come with a, a provisions form, known as an OS1A. You want to read that form. And apply those guidelines to your vehicle. That'll show you how to flag it, the lights on it, what signs are required, excuse me, and um, if you need an escort or not.
2: Perfect. And just before we leave that subject too quickly, just so people understand, that only covers you on state routes and interstate routes. So if you're on a township or a county road, that permit does not... Um, help you there. Okay. So you would have to check with your local in- county engineer's office, your local township trustees, if they require permits. Some do, some do not. Okay. So that only covers you on the state and interstate route system.
1: That's, that is that is a great bit of information because I did not know that. I thought yeah. if I have a permit, I'm covered on yep. any roadway. So make sure you check with the with the local engineers. And I'm sure even uh, the local sheriff's department could even give them some insight too on, oh, on yeah. stuff like yeah, that. Definitely. So And the township trustees are good, you know. People Perfect. let them know. So the next one, kind of, and I think this is probably something that keeps growing, especially with more and more producers um, having their trucks hauling their own fertilizer, uh, handling their own chemicals, um, having sprayer tenders. When we look at hazardous material, and I, and hauling that, first, I guess what is considered hazardous material? Because I'm in my mind, I'm thinking I have a fuel trailer at home. I have, you know, I'm carrying. 700 gallons of, of fuel, you know, 400 gallons of diesel exhaust fluid. I got 30 gallons of o- hydraulic oil on, you know, to me, it, wh- what consider, what, when do we get into that realm of, of hey, you're, a, you're, a, ha- you're you, a hazardous transporter at this point.
3: You, you could do a whole show on that one. <laughs> um, the first thing I want to bring to everybody's attention is a wonderful little section called Materials of Trade, and you can Google that at any time. And basically, when you look up materials of trade, that's going to give you all nine of your hazmat classes, and it's going to tell you the amounts that you're allowed to haul and not be regulated. A lot of people don't realize that's out there. Okay, if you stay within the confines of materials of trade, you're never going to need any of the, any the gotcha. guidelines. When you get into bulk amounts, placarded amounts of hazmat, you you're you're moving outside that exemption here in Ohio. Okay. And uh, you, I'll just run you a real quick example, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. We, we had a gentleman down our way that was running his own fuel truck to fuel the combines okay. up and stuff yeah. out in the field. Now, uh, upon the inspection, for, once again, for no name on the truck, come to find out it's farm move, so he's exempt from that. And he's also exempt from the CDL. He's within his 150 air miles, right? Well, he, he's got a large tanker, so he's moving a bulk amount of diesel fuel. All the regulations would apply to him at that point. Okay? I see. That's the thing you want to stay away from. You want to really study the products, the amounts that you want to move. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're in doubt, have a common carrier, haul that and deliver it for you. Don't step outside the guidelines on it if you're unsure or if you're not getting clear answers on things. Gotcha. Um, hazmat can get very complicated, very quick with a lot of liabilities behind it.
1: Yeah. You know, I can even think about too, um, you know, we start uh, anhydrous ammonia and pulling our, you know, our tanks uh, from the co-op to the field um you know generally they're pulled with a pickup yep. so when we look at that are is there any anything that we need to abide by by hauling those from the from the co-op no, to the there, field
3: there's some things in the in the guidelines that would protect you under those circumstances for example you're not subject to uh a hazardous material permit um, training requirements, the specification of the tank, because those pressure tanks usually have a bunch of inspections got to be done on them. You're all protected from all that to and from the field, moving from one farm to the other. You know, you're all covered on that. Mm-hmm. When you'll get into a problem with that is if you hook that up and you take it outside your normal working location, you take it in transit upon the roadway, uh-huh. okay, yeah, Th- then you're getting into the regulations because you're stepping outside what you can normally do.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So if
3: you're moving it back and forth across mm-hmm. the farm or from one location to another, you're good. It's when you take it in transit and you got a placarded bulk package on a public roadway, then you got problems.
1: Gotcha. So I, I guess I, want, I just want to go back to the fuel thing. It just something that popped up in my mind, and I, I get these all the time. So uh, some of these large tractors. I was in equipment sales uh, for 11 years. You know, we had some large four wheel drive tractors that held a boatload oh, yeah. of fuel. Yeah, that's a struggle to keep those things. So where where's that fall say if uh where's where's that cutoff? i i mean is that or since it's since it's on board it's part of that equipment does that even really justify the the large quantity of because fuel?
3: it's tied into the fuel system of the truck or i'm sorry the track, mm-hmm. then it would be exempt gotcha okay yeah. and as far as fueling those vehicles up you want to stay under 118 gallon under 118 under 118 gallon of diesel fuel is a non-bulk uh, package and it's okay. exempt from the regulations so in theory you could have you know, four or five drums in the back of your pickup, right, a 55-gallon mm-hmm. piece, and you'd be exempt from the regulations. And see, it, it all boils down to doing your homework ahead of time.
1: Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, probably we look at our our fertilizers and chemicals. We have a lot of our chemicals that are labeled. So a lot of our farmers and uh, producers have our sprayer tenders they've, they've built. And um, we have multiple different uh, Oh, i farm say there's chemicals numerous. on us. Yeah. It, it, there again, kind of goes back to just do your homework do and your homework. research what you yeah. got, and uh, and just follow follow
3: those guidelines. Right, right. And 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 I'll throw something out there on that. A lot of those chemicals are shipped in totes, mm-hmm. you know, the square totes. Well, many times, depending on the product, it's placarded when you receive it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's placarded in that form at that mixture level. Once it's at the farm and you dilute it and you mix it, you're getting away from those placarding requirements because you've diluted that material. Okay. See, that's a good point to know. Mm -hmm. So once, say you have a common carrier come in with a load, right, of a class 8 material or 6 or whatever the case is, they bring that material in and you dilute it, okay? Once you've diluted it, now it doesn't meet that placarding requirement. That's important stuff to know. But if you take it away from the farm in the same form that they brought it to you, and you'll notice the trucks that brings that material in there are placarded, and when you leave with it, you need to be too.
1: You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This is some great information. I hope everybody out there listening, you better be taking notes. So (laughs) go back and listen to us again if you miss stuff.
3: Yeah. It all boils down to learning the stuff you need to run your operations. Get really good at what you do with no question marks, none. Get it all nailed down. If you change a product, if you change a load, you change a destination a vendor or whatever do your homework just takes a few minutes especially with electronics and things and guys like me and him running around we're happy to help you
0: and i think a lot of guys are are expanding their operations you know a lot of smaller farms are going away and we're getting a lot larger farmers so i think they are kind of going out of their realm a little bit than what they're used to or what dad and grandpa did so you know this is this is all great information um, yeah we're seeing a
3: lot of uh, custom harvesting down our way that we never saw before you know, mm-hmm. never run into that. Everybody just
1: done their own, but we're actually starting to see it in my area now. Yeah. So I just thought of one more question here, guys. <laughs> Let me, just laughing at me over here. You know, uh, it was one I always uh, thought of in equipment. We're operating our equipment. We covered our flashers. How we need to be on the roads. There's also that pesky thing that I keep kicking off the side of the seat. That seat belt. Do I gotta wear that thing in the cab? I really don't, do I, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna throw Sarge on the cab. seat belt needs to be worn. Uh, it's it's definitely a safety factor. It saves many lives and saves many injuries, you know, every year. So yeah, that the uh, seat belt's a, a good good thing and it's a requirement. And
1: sergeant, I guess i want to ask too, so when operating equipment, what is the age of that driver have to be?
2: Okay, so it depends on where you're at. You're talking about these commercial motor vehicles. Um, You you guys are exempt from CDL. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're hauling a... an articulated vehicle, a semi, and you're going across state lines. You lose some of those exemptions, like Anthony said. Those people have to be 18 to drive 18. that semi, okay, uh, across state lines. Uh, a regular semi, a straight truck in Ohio, they can be 16. They can be 16 to, to operate that because you're not into that CDL. You lose that CDL exemption. As long as
1: that 16 year old has that valid driver's license, too. Yes. Okay. Yep. What about op- uh, driving the tractor and combine down the road?
2: Yeah, there is no age requirement for the farm machinery because it's not um, a, it's not a car or a truck. Um, So at that point in time, we talked earlier about, um, different things that might be civilly liable or criminally liable. So criminally, you wouldn't be liable for having that 15 year old driving that tractor because it doesn't require a driver's license. Now civilly, if he was in a crash, he or she was in a crash and something happens, and you get sued as, a, as the farmer, and it gets brought up his age, his experience, his or her, you know, whatever, then you have that different weight. So if you're going to have someone without a license operating the tractors and the combines, make sure they're very capable of operating those and understand the, the, the sheer volume of responsibility they're taking on and that they, in a, in a critical incident or something happens, they can handle themselves. Uh, that's the biggest thing there is just that experience. Gotcha.
0: Which most, I mean, you know, farm kids, we're, we're driving stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I'm probably way too young than what we yeah. should be. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't want to tell you the first time I drove a, drove a truck with uh, yeah. with our officers here. Yeah. With <laughs> yeah. your exempt, right? That's, yeah, that's right. I that was in the field, too, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I guess too, since we are talking with young beginning farmers, we talked about CDL a little bit, but I know there had been some changes in getting your CDL here in the last, you know, with renewing it and, and getting it. Could you speak upon that? And just if somebody is thinking about, you know, if we do have some young um, FFA kids on here, what what how can they get their CDL?
3: FMCSA has implemented some guidelines that mandates a driver training school. Sarge can you chime in on with me. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit more so the days this. of the
1: grandfathering in, yeah. With, yeah, I think it's, when I um, did it, uh, gosh. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I think I had uh, took my permit and I turned in a number of grain uh, weight slips and stuff like that and passed right, my, t- yeah. you know, stuff like that. That's, that's kind of along the wayside now. Right, okay. right. To the
3: best of my knowledge, yeah, it's all by the wayside. They're they're pushing everybody towards the driving schools and getting that certificate with the license. But remember, coming off the farm inside 150 air miles, you don't need it anyway. hmm you know what I mean? Just something to consider. And there may be some provisions I'm not aware of with the farm and ag on the CDL. But as far as standard CDL licenses and commercial motor vehicles, they do have to go through that school now. And I believe that okay. was February of last year. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think
2: it's been about a year now that you yeah. have to have that, that accredited school you go through. And and there's a lot more restrictions um, with the CDL. So it used to be, you know, you probably remember you could go take that with a pickup truck and a trailer that mm-hmm. met it. And then you can drive a semi. Nowadays, what you take that test in is what you're licensed to drive. So if you gotcha. take it in an automatic semi, you can't drive you're a manual shift to an automatic. If you take it, you know, in a pickup truck and a trailer, that's you couldn't drive something uh, with a saddle mount, you know, a semi. Mm-hmm. So it's it's much more restrictive than it used to be, uh, just to make it safer. So we know that people can operate the vehicle they're licensed for. Yep. Okay. Um, and then I said they did add that that requirement to actually get a school. You can't just Borrow your buddy's truck and take right. your permit and mm-hmm. and go take it like you used to. Yeah,
1: and I I know Libby. It just seems like a lot of our producers now, especially our younger guys, um, they're getting that CDL. For one, it justifies the expense of that rig, and not only farm use, but now hey, that's our that's our off farm income too. So, mm-hmm. a great information to keep up, and you know, and get out there, take your class, get the CDL, you know, because. Then you kind of open yourself up some, oppor- some opportunities. There's always somebody out there that needs something hauled. So. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah,
3: definitely. CDL drivers are very sought after. Yes.
2: And that's, I mean, that's a good point. We were talking earlier, Anthony and I, about how some farmers get themselves in trouble with, you know, they've got a side business, mm-hmm. you know, and they, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll use their farm semi on their side business. and. Well, you can on the farm you're great, but as soon as you go to that side business, you know if you're selling mulch, you're selling this and you know or whatever else you're doing that's for hire now. That CDL and everything right. comes into play.
0: And I think farmers are, you know, they're entrepreneurs, so they're oh, always, yeah. you know, yeah. they're always yeah. thinking about, okay, what else can I do? I mean, my my husband is definitely that <laughs> yeah. way. So it's yeah. like, okay, how else can I diversify the operation? And then, you know, it's like I have a truck, and all yeah. right, let's yep. just go do this.
3: Yeah, and, it's uh, the spirit of small business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yep, yeah. We just take that extra step, and you know, get that operating authority, and uh, get that insurance and everything at that point, and Then you're covered because you can use that truck to use in business on the farm. And, and vice versa, if you have everything covered. So just as you diversify and you look ways to bring more income in, uh, just cover yourself with the, the other requirements.
1: Well, guys, this has been some great information. And uh, I think we could go on for hours on this. So this might <laughs> oh, be a follow-up, of like, a, like a part two and three episode uh, going <laughs> yeah, forward you could here. we do one on uh, side-by-sides <laughs> <and> <laughs> That's, and that's right. <laughs> but just to kind of uh, – and we will put uh, – uh, Kayla, our producer, she will put notes out there and everything in uh, – for the information but guys just once again uh, people want more information on this stuff where can they go
2: yeah i mean one thing is this truck driver's guidebook on the ohio state highway patrols website which you guys said you would you would link to it yes um, you can always contact any highway patrol post uh, and they'll get you in touch with someone that can answer your questions uh, we love opportunities like this we're doing now to to speak and answer for a, a large group of people uh, but if there's something in here that you're confused about or we didn't answer the question you're looking for, uh, just Google Ohio State Highway Patrol, call the nearest one in your area, and uh, that dispatcher will get you in, in touch with somebody. We'd love to talk to you and get you on the right track.
3: Yeah, and the uh, licensing commercial standards is where you want to direct your questions to. Okay. Yeah, they're spread out all through the state. We try to take care of people when they call in, take care of their answers. Me and Sarge both spends a great deal of our time on the phone and doing research for people in our
1: area. That is great. Well, Sergeant Thompson, Supervisor Lester, I want to thank you guys once again for being part of our podcast today. and want to again thank you for everything you guys do for us out there as the public, uh, taking care of us out there. I know it's a it's a big job, and there's a lot that falls on your guys' shoulders. So, Libby, I I, I think that kind of about wraps it up for this one. So.
0: Yes. Um, Don't forget to leave a review if you liked what you heard and you guys can follow us on all of our social media platforms. Um, And we'll catch you guys next time on Ag Credit Said It. Thank you for listening to Ag Credit Said It. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave us a review to help others find the show. Let's talk ag in between episodes follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AgCredit. For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net.